the Fighting Podcast. Today, we have Max Kerr. Welcome, Max. What's up, brother? How are you doing? I'm um, good, thanks. All right, so for the people who don't know about you, why don't you give them a brief background about yourself, and then we'll dive into the sleep topic. Yeah, well, I mean, we got we to gotta touch on how you and I met, though, too, uh, <laughs> since it is the uh, uh, combat sport. You know, we, so you and I, we, we trained uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu together. Yep. Um, you were a blue belt. You still are a blue belt, correct? I think I was a white belt when we met, but yep. Oh, I'm yeah, blue. you were a white belt. Yeah. And you got your blue while we were, while we yep. were training. Um, I was a lowly white belt, and I still am. And uh, uh, we trained together. You you encouraged me, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, man, it, that that is one of the most difficult things I have ever tried to even do, and I just couldn't give it enough time, so I ended up having to quit. Dude, you're gonna have um, to come back since we're moving back yeah, Austin. Like, like you know, I I need to. I want to. It's in the back of my head. It's this like it's this uncompleted project that I really need to get after. Um, yeah, but I tell you the thing that I love the most is just getting strong. Like I yeah. am, like I am a meathead dude. I am a big <laughs> dumb animal. Like give me, give me heavy weight and I will move it. Don't ask me to run, <laughs> you know, like I'll roll, I'll roll with you. I'll, I'll roll once with you. And then after that, I'm, I'm puffing and puffing. Like I, I just, I just love moving heavy shit, but, uh, yeah. So you know, I'm Max Kerr. I am a sleep dental sleep medicine professional in uh, in Austin, Texas. Um, first, I started out as a dentist. Um, uh, I went to dental school in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, in San Antonio, I got my dental degree. And then I started becoming a, um, a dentist. And then after a while, what I ended up seeing is I saw a lot of problems that just dentist regular dentistry wasn't focused on. Um, what was ended up happening was people would can't clench, grind their teeth and pop their teeth. Um, it, and just the way teeth were kind of coming into the mouth just were very different. So then I kind of pivoted to orthodontics. Um, and then orthodontics was very difficult because, you know, you're trying to move teeth into a, a, a soft tissue plane. Oftentimes that those teeth don't want to go there. And so I'm like, well, why isn't this happening? I mean, why, you know, you, you, especially if you look at, um, you know, the traditional human and especially really, really old skeletal, skeletal structures, like the, the, the skeleton always has very straight teeth. So, okay, well, what's going on now? So I kind of kept on digging in a little bit more. And then I found this very niche area of dental, uh, of dentistry. It's called dental sleep medicine. Um, what dental sleep medicine does is it talks about airway um, and, and especially the lower face and when we talk about the lower face and we talk about how we can make sure that the lower face is efficient in order to breathe so people can sleep better so it's a subset of dentistry called dental sleep medicine i currently have four practices in austin texas that help treat patients that have sleep disturb sleep disordered breathing um, and, uh, and and we also help diagnose and treat uh, sleep apnea and stuff like mm -hmm. that so so how, how would I know then if I had sleep disorder breathing? Would I need well, to just go to um, a test or would I be able to figure out at home? Yeah. Um, so, so here's, here's, um, yeah. So I don't know where we start, left off, but uh, I had to just close my door. <laughs> so, okay. So you asked me, how would you yeah. know if you had a, a sleep or a breathing, sleep disorder breathing essentially? Yeah. Well, so this is, I mean, your, your bed partner is going to tell you. If you snore, that is an inefficient airflow from your nose to your lungs. So if you can imagine, we want a stream that, that is clear with no babble, no brook. Mm 
no babbling brook. We want to make sure that that airflow goes straight from the nose to the lungs, and that's the most efficient airway or uh, path of air. Um, anything in the way of that will oftentimes lead to some degree of friction in the system. The problem with friction in the system is that uh, the more kind of turbulence that's going on, the more likely it's going to pull against the walls of the airway and the more likely it's going to collapse. And that's what an apneic episode is. So some people would say, you know, snoring is a sleep disturbance. Um, waking up feeling unrefreshed, it means that you're not having efficient sleep. Waking up multiple times throughout the night means that you're having inefficient sleep. Um, you know, waking up, especially like at 1 a.m. and not being able to go back to sleep means that your REM at some point in time, your REM, you, you kind of off of it there a little bit and you woke up and I'll, we'll get into that a little bit. And then also, you know, waking up and maybe feeling a headache or something like that, or maybe needing to take naps throughout the day. These are all signs of disease or unhealth, right? Um, and, and so this is who I treat. These are the people that I treat. Now, the traditional method of treating these individuals would be with a CPAP. And a CPAP mm. is, an, is something that, that pressurizes the airway to prevent collapse. And what I do is I use an oral device to do that instead of a CPAP. Um, so go, how would you know if you had sleep disordered breathing? Or how do you know if you're having healthy sleep? Well, ideally, if we go back to ideal, you close your eyes and within five minutes you're asleep, you wake up maybe once to go piss and then, and then you go back to sleep easily after you do so. And then you wake up ready to take on the day. Oh, that's me. Uh, that, Perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then that should take, that should take anywhere from, you know, some people say as little as six hours, some people say as much as nine hours, but anywhere from six to nine hours within that realm is probably okay. Um, me personally, I need to have as close to eight hours as possible. That's just kind of normal. Um, this should follow relatively close to the sun setting and sun, uh, sun rising, depending on where you're living. Um, now, <clears throat> what, it, what ends up happening is, you know, people will ultimately have difficulty falling asleep, wake up multiple times throughout the night, or even wake up feeling just piss poor, right? And so whether or not or it's one or all these symptoms, you can kind of dice out what could be occurring. <clears throat> so if you have difficulty falling asleep, odds are that you're not in the, the circadian rhythm. So the circadian rhythm is something that the, the light, the angle of the light hits the eye. Um, there's a retina, a subchiasmic nucleus in the retina, retina I believe in what it is, what it is. <clears throat> and it judges when we should start producing melatonin from the uh, pineal gland, I believe, or pituitary, one of those two. And so what ends up happening is that starts getting us a little bit ready and that gets, that's our 24 hour clock. And that tells us when we should go to sleep. And that's all judged by the, the rising and falling of the sun. So if we're having trouble going to sleep, that could mean that our circadian rhythms are off. Now, if we're waking up in the middle of the night, that means that something is disturbing us. And if we can't go back to sleep, then that means something is putting us into sympathetic activation or maybe even a fight or flight response, right? And so what is that thing that's causing us to have a fight or flight response in the middle of the night? Oftentimes, that's a sleep disordered breathing situation. Mm -hmm. That means that our airway is being assaulted while we're asleep. And that's ultimately that's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your, your body's choking itself. Right. Yeah. And so when you wake up, your body's doing exactly what it should be. You wake up in the middle of the night and then all of a sudden um, you, you kind of 
try to figure out what the hell is going on. You're startling. Maybe your bed partner said you were snoring and then you stopped breathing. Well, you can't go back to sleep because evolutionarily, if you went back to sleep right after something started to choke you, then you're going to, your gene pool is done, brother. <laughs> you know, so, so this is one of the things that we try to treat. We want to make sure that that airway is nice and open. And then if you wake up feeling like shit, then a lot of times what's happening is something is not allowing it to be efficient within that, that parameter. Like, um, you know, within, within, within some time from when you go to sleep to when you wake up, if you, are, if you feel like you got to take a nap and something went wrong the night before. Um, really, I, I tell my patients a lot of times it's okay to be tired throughout the day. It's too, okay to be like worn out because you're working hard, but it's never okay to be sleepy throughout the day unless you, unless you didn't sleep well the night mm. before. Um, so, you know, we want to bust our ass throughout the day. We want to do everything we need to do throughout the day. And, and if, and if we need to take a nap, it, you know, really, we should just be, be able to mash through that. You need to take a nap. That means you probably didn't sleep all that well. Naps are okay, but, um, you know, they're, they're okay for some cognition. But really, uh, I don't think we're designed for naps. There's not a whole lot of science out there for that. Mm, that's interesting. It's an interesting take on it. Obviously, napping and I guess in the sports performance <clears throat> world has some merit there. But it's yeah. interesting you say, like, you know, if you need to nap, then there's probably some yeah. other underlying. Yeah, issue. if you're doing like, if you want to nap because you're trying to maximize performance, I think that that's fair. Uh, but mm. if you need to nap because you can't keep your eyes open, mm. something's wrong from the night before. Uh, that that's a good call for the listeners there. So then, if someone's got sleep disorder breathing, what what can they do about it? Is there somewhere they? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure at least in the states, there's probably a lot of places maybe they can go to to get tested at least, or. Yeah. Or maybe there's some kind of intervention they can do. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's what right now, man, it's so convoluted and, and it's, it's a very young, young science right now for the, for the longest time you had to go into a lab to have a sleep test. And this is a crazy, ex, like crazy experience. Like you have to You're sleep you in the lab, right? You sleep in the lab. Yeah, Somebody's yeah, watching you. Up in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have leads coming out of your head. You have leads all over your arms. Like, like it is not the. It's not natural sleep at all. Hmm. Um, and that has since fallen out of favor uh, with insurance companies here in the states. Um, and which is probably a good thing because it was very expensive to to pay mm -hmm. somebody to stay up all night to watch you sleep. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Um, so now there, there's there's some the, there's some small devices that you can get. Um, it needs to be prescribed by a physician, uh, but they're they're home sleep tests, and that'll tell you how your oxygen saturation while you're asleep, um, your heart rate while you're asleep, the your flow, yeah. the the inspiration and exhalation. Um, while you're asleep, and then also the snoring, what's going on from a snoring standpoint. Um, so that really gives us a lot of information. Now, not everybody's going to go to their primary care physician or any anything like that um, to get this. And so if somebody just wanted to kind of do it at home, you can get a pulse oximeter and put the strap that on your finger and see how far you desat, right? Mm -hmm. um, a, a young, healthy man like yourself should not really drop into the 80s all that much on an oxygen saturation you know, from an oxygen saturation standpoint. Um, now, if you're dropping into the 70s, if you're dropping into the 60s, then something's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe 
touching the 80s, not the low 80s, maybe the, the high 80s is okay, it, it, depending on, and then you take some subjective findings around that, like how do you feel? But man, if, you're, if your oxygen saturation ever really dips into the 70s, then, then the odds are that you have, you have some degree of sleep problem, sleep disorder breathing. Um, so I think you can do it a multitude of ways. You could get tested either traditionally through the lab, you could get tested from home with a home sleep test given to you by a physician, or you could just kind of, like I said, just do it at home with mm. the pulse socks. I didn't realize you house. could do that. I like that idea. What, what, yeah, what, I mean, dude, you we're, you know, you got to know your own animal. animal. Say yeah, that again. What would you do if you say your oxygen saturation dropped below 80 or 70? What would you do then? Would you just go to the doctor or is that something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so the, the so the, yeah, what do you do with this information? Right. Yeah. That's the question. Like it, whether it be from a traditional lab, from a, from a home sleep test or just a pulse ox that you slow strap to your finger. Um, so, so there's a few different ways to treat sleep disturbances, especially airway disturbances from breathing. <laughs> um, uh, so right now there's essentially three treatments for this. So, okay, so let's go back to what's actually going on. Yeah. So, so there's three reasons that we know of currently, and there's probably a myriad of reasons why, but this is what science has dialed down right now, is that either the structure is messed up in your jaw, and so the airway is compromised, so your mouth or your nose doesn't get enough flow. There's inflammation in the system. So, you know, as you know, everything, if there's inflammation, it's gonna swell. So if there's any edema, then that's gonna, and there's a, there's a circular tube that we're breathing through and there's edema associated with it. That's gonna make that tube, that diameter shrink, or there could be muscular fatigue. And so that tube that we breathe through is wrapped with muscle. There's muscles going everywhere. And so if that muscle, is, you know, is, it should be fast twitch, if it turns to slow twitch, then what will end up happening is those muscles will actually kind of fail on us and there can be a, a collapse in that airway. And that's what an uh, apneic episode is or a, a disturbance would, would cause. Because then you, you know, if the airway closes, you go through the fight or flight response, heart rate goes up, you wake up, you know, all that fun stuff. So well, and we, then come, we'll come back to why that could be going on. <laughs> um, but uh, there's, there's a few theories out for that. But if one of these things happen, um, we essentially have three ways to fix it. We can either create more room. So if it's a structural problem, I could break your jaws, break down, fracture mm. your upper jaw, out fracture your lower jaw and give you more space to breathe. So this is kind of like if you have an HVAC unit that can't get enough intake, mm. well, you add another intake or you make the intake bigger right? Mm -hmm. Or you got a truck that doesn't have a, enough intake for the engine and the engine's overheating. So this is the same thing that's going on here. So I could, that's terribly expensive and very involved. Do people do that for cosmetic reasons too? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, once you start kind of seeing through the matrix, what you'll see is somebody doesn't have a jaw. Mm. Like if they don't have a jaw, then odds are their lower jaw is too small and that tongue is being mashed back into the airway. And so it, if they cosmetically move that jaw forward, you know, form follows function, right? And mm. so, so if somebody is, has a lower jaw that is not there, then they will likely have sleep apnea. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yep. And so, so mm. if their teeth are, are crowded up in, in the mouth, then they will likely, and they decide to do that jaw surgery, 
it will make them look better because it will make them more fit and give them better function. Therefore, mm. the form will look better or more aesthetically pleasing to the eye. You follow what I'm saying yep. there? Yep. I mean, you know, like a cascade like we, event something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the human wants to breed with the best human, right? Like we we want to to improve our genetic pool. And so like you're always, you know, subconsciously you're evaluating whether or not this individual is fit enough to carry on the genetic, you know, the mm -hmm. genes, so to speak. And so, so yeah, it's going to make people look better. Um, it's going to mess, it's going to change their, change their dimensions and make their face look different. Um, <laughs> so, so that's one way to do it. Now, the second way to do it is we could do a CPAP. So a CPAP is essentially pressurized air. So it's a machine that pressurizes air and it pushes air through your nose and through your mouth and it widens your airway in doing so. So it pressure, it, it increases the pressure of the tube that you breathe through, like your airway, to greater than external pressure. So that way it resists any collapse. It's almost like you blew up a balloon and you stuck it in the middle of the airway and then now all of a sudden that airway is patent. Well, the problem with that is it's just a little pain in the ass. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you have you ever worked or hung out with anybody that had a CPAP? Nope. Thank God. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, exactly. I mean, not only do you not want to deal with it, you don't want your friend to have to deal with it, right? Yeah. And so because then you're lugging around a machine and you have to, it's like a like I said, it's a reverse vacuum. So, but and you're tethered to a machine, and so you got to breathe through that. And so what I specialize in is I move the jaw forward. So what I do is I bring the mandible, if the mandible is retruded and you imagine that the airway is back here mm. and the mandible is retruded, then that's going to impact or put a kink in the hose. Yeah. And so what I do is I move the lower jaw forward with an oral device. So I use kind of a mouthpiece, a nighttime mouthpiece that brings the lower jaw forward. Mm. And when that happens, that essentially takes that crimped hose and it widens it up. And when we do that, we see it's about 80% effective for young, healthy men, men that are not fat, um, mm. and traditionally women that have this problem. What we run into, where we run into the problems with this is the extent at which the body will allow us to move the jaw. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's only so much movement I can move, I can move because of the joint tissue. At some point in time, there's just not going to be enough. And if there's a whole lot of fat and that's what's closing down the airway, I can't move that, dude. I, I tell patients moving fat's like pushing jello across the table. It just ain't gonna work, dude. Um, so so what my device does is like I said, it helps about 80% of the time. The older men, the fatter men, where the tissue is just kind of really flabby and loose, there's not a whole lot of help I can give with that. They have to usually go with the CPAP. Now there's a new, there's a fourth intervention here. Um, and it's kind of like a it's a TENS unit or it's a shock therapy. Mm. Um, that you can do in your mouth and it's it's mm. it's called an excite osa and it, it, it's it's not it's not painful um I but just it's, imagine it's, there's definitely the, yeah the tins just like making a joke exactly exactly that's exactly i mean there's a sensation for sure yeah um in where you you wear this mouthpiece and it's 20 minutes each day for six weeks um and then that changes the muscle fiber or the tone of the uh, muscle okay yeah yep and, and so then all of a sudden now after six weeks that muscle fiber should have been at that point in time changed and then you can go to a maintenance dose where you're only doing it um during the day uh 20 minutes two times a week um which is a, a pretty neat deal uh yeah, there's not a whole lot of data on that one um they've been doing it in the uk for a while I just came to the States recently though. Yeah. Cause I've taken that, essentially taken that from the muscle or the sports rehab world, you know, using, using electromyle stimulation 
on, for example, after an ACL tear, stick it on your quads. Yep. You know, doing biking or whatever it is. So that's, yeah. Yep. It's an interesting. Yep. So we're just trying to, again, we're trying to make sure that that, that those muscles in the airway stay rigid. I like that. Yeah. Now that's, that's all interesting. And then that way you don't have to do anything at nighttime. So you don't have to wear a CPAP. You don't have to wear an oral device. Um, we, we're still kind of mapping the indications on that one though. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair enough. So essentially, if people have any of these issues, these are some of the solutions they could take. Some more invasive. Yeah. <laughs> some more invasive. Well, and I mean, and if you just wanted to play around, they have some of these snore devices on um, Amazon. Like I, I've used uh, in the past um, this, this little throwaway device called the Z-Quiet. And you can, you can see if, if repositioning your mandible forward actually brings better sleep or a reduction in snoring or anything like that, you can see that it's a good way to test out and see if mm. this thing is going to work. Now, ultimately it's going to, it's just, it's, it's going to deform and it's going to be kind of a pain in the ass and that's why they sell it on Amazon. Um, but if you come and find me, you know, you'll get a custom device that should last five or 10 years. So. Yep. Well, my custom mouth guard's still lasting me from you. So that's all legit. <laughs> oh, you, I'm telling you. <laughs> but you, you mentioned, you mentioned the neck as well. <clears throat> so obviously it's, I guess, because that's common knowledge that a fat neck is probably going to, or it's going to increase your chances of sleep apnea. So it's going to collapse on you. But what about a muscular neck? Is, is neck muscle become the problem if the neck gets too big? I mean, this could relate to certain maybe grapplers or fighters that may be training their neck often. Totally. Could that be, a, could that be an issue? Yeah. And I think that's a great question. And, and I can only, I don't see, I don't see any literature out there on this. Um, mm. Now neck circumference does indicate it's a predisposing factor for sleep apnea. Mm. Um, now that being said, the neck circumference circumference that we're usually measuring is not like a, you know, a fucking wired, you know, grappler that yeah you know a bull neck you know usually it's it's the truck driver it's the it's it's the the guy that just doesn't it's it's big in a bowling ball um you know i think anytime there's an affront you know look muscle fibers really they, they're they're gonna grow everywhere right so if you strengthen your neck there is going to be some impingement on the inside of the system as much as the outside of the system. Um, so you're much more likely to see an affront on the neck or that pipe that we're trying to breathe through if there is some muscle development there. Now, that being said, these are usually the very, the healthiest of healthy individuals. Like I just, from my experience alone, I know that, man, you can't be unhealthy and grapple. Like mm -hmm. if you want to be somewhat successful, so we're going to see a reduction in, in, in real total inflammation or overall inflammation, uh, probably a reduction in adipose tissue. Mm. So I'm wondering, you know, my question is, will the loss in adipose tissue and the, and the increase in rigidity because of the, the actual fighting, will that offset any sort of movement of the muscle towards the, mm. the, the midline or mm. towards the airway? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I think that's an amazing question. Um, you know, I think you, without really having to dice it up, you know, really the, the neck size should not be the indicator for whether or not you have a problem. It should be subjectively, how are you feeling? Does yeah. your bed partner say that you stop breathing when you're, when, do you snore a lot? Do you wake up multiple times throughout the night? You know, like these are the things that, you know, if you've got a big neck and you don't do any of that shit, don't fucking worry about it, man. Mm. 
like you're you know go hard <laughs> keep keep turning that nick <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you've also talked about at least through some of your instagram stuff and and previously about nose breathing and i know yes. you had uh, i don't know if i'll call it a surgery but uh that the the court what do you call that the nose it's called the vivare procedure uh, yeah okay. so yeah. okay you know, so there's there's a, there's a couple of things so there's a the, the caudal maneuver is actually mm. like like if you put your your fingers right here dude and- i do that almost every night because i have one i think i from when i went to the dog i think i have one slightly deviated septum on the side yeah. and if i do yeah. this when i lie down then it just yeah. opens right up you're, you're gonna breathe better yeah. Right. And so, so if, if, apart from a deviated septum, if you do this and you can breathe better, then that's called the caudal maneuver. And, and what that does is that tells you if, if you are having like a nasal valve collapse. So these are our nasal valves. As you breathe in, if they close down, then you're much, much less likely to be able to get the efficient, you know, change, exchange, gas exchange in your lungs. So we are designed, human beings are designed to breathe through their nose. Um, Patrick McEwen wrote an amazing book Mm. uh, called Oxygen Advantage. I don't know if you got into that. Mm -hmm. James Nestor really did an amazing, did an amazing job with following up with breath. Um, Nasal breathing is is so fundamentally important for the human organism that if we're not doing it effectively, it can really jack shit up. I mean, I'm talking, it will produce disease like none other if we don't breathe through our nose. Um, And so so what I did, what I realized, and really it was just me more being a guinea pig more than anything. Um, I went into my ENT or one of the ENTs I work with, I work with multiple of them. And, and I had this bivare procedure done. And what they did is they got an electrode and then they carterized the inside of my nose, the outer, mm-hmm. the outer surface of the inside of my nose, if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. to prevent collapse. And it opened it up a little bit more. Um, so, you know, so that way I can gather more oxygen while breathing through my nose. Um, and it, it, it has helped. It helped me breathe through my nose a little bit better. Um, you know, I'm not, it wasn't a panacea by any means. Like if you have a deviated septum or if you have enlarged turbinates or, you know, if you can't breathe through your nose and they're normally stuffy, this isn't going to be the thing to do. You got to mm. go get that thing cleaned out. Um, it, because what we see is that individuals that, that breathe through their mouth are much more likely to have a higher heart rate. Because the gas exchange is so fundamentally inefficient. Um, you know, when you breathe deeply through your nose, it slows the oxygen down, it warms it up, it gets it ready for the lungs. Nitric oxide is inserted in the in, in the mix there that allows for a more efficient gas exchange. And really, that's what we need more than anything, especially when we're when we're driven in combat. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta huff and puff through your mouth for sure but the more you can breathe through your Mm. nose the more stable you're going to be the smaller your mind is going to be the less excited you're going to get um and we'll actually see a whole lot of performance especially when it when it comes to endurance or especially even fighting um if you're breathing through your nose and so if there's any sort of issue within your nose it's it's incumbent upon anybody to try to get that cleaned up um, and, and so this kind of leads back towards what I was speaking earlier is, you know, the three things that can impact sleep and breathing, especially through the airway. The first one I said was structure. Well, well, what we're seeing is we're seeing that this lower face is gradually reducing and it's been reducing over the past 
a thousand to five five hundred to a thousand years. Um, we believe the reason this is happening is because of the food supply. We're eating softer things, um, especially compared to our hunter-gatherer ancestors. Um, and so, so what's ultimately ended up happening is patients don't have, or people, uh, humans don't have enough room for their wisdom teeth anymore. Um, now, sometimes to get straight teeth, they're taking teeth out so they can fit all the teeth in there. Mm. And what ends up happening is as the, those teeth, we start losing the, the surface area or the volume for those teeth, that tongue just starts getting, getting mashed back towards the airway. And as the airway becomes compromised and that the, the hole that we breathe through starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller, it's much more likely to collapse in on itself. Um, and so the way we need to kind of make sure that, you know, it's, it's kind of like a stream. I mean, if the water doesn't run down the stream, it's, gonna, it's never gonna be open. You have to constantly and, and constantly remind yourself to breathe deeply through your nose to make sure that that stays open. Um, the less you breathe through your nose, the less likely you're going to breathe through your nose. Um, the more you breathe through your mouth, the more likely you're going to breathe through your mouth. Um, and so, you know, a normal position for breath is teeth slightly apart, lips lightly touching, tongue to the roof of your mouth and up towards the front of your teeth. Uh, your, your, your tongue should be touching your front teeth slightly. And you should be breathing deeply and slowly through your nose. Uh, slow inhale, very slow exhale. Um, and that's when it, what's going to get us back into that sympathetic state or that, that rest and digest state where we can actually do the higher order processing and thinking that we need to do. Um, the problem is when we get into that fight or flight response driven by nose breathing or driven by quick, quick breaths, especially mouth breathing, um, we'll start having really frantic thoughts. Mm. Uh, our heart rate's going to go up, blood pressure's going to rise. And this is just because, you know, essentially we're going into a fight or flight response. And so this, these are just kind of all the things that the body's supposed to do while it's, it's trying to survive an assault to the airway. Gotcha. Can you, can you train the jaw then through, because we mentioned like soft foods, can I eat? start eating more tough steaks every day or yeah stuff yeah like so that. so you can train the musculature of the jaw and now there's not a whole lot of data out there to support that the bony structures will actually change mm -hmm. um there's there's a lot there's quite a few people that claim it can um I, I just have <laughs> yeah I, well so so there's there's some new gum mm -hmm. there's some gums out there so there's a there's a there one of the fathers of some of this individual his first name was john John Mew, M-E-W, I believe his name is. He was an orthodontist um, who kind of chronologically followed all these individuals. And, you know, he had them chewing really hard gum, um, you know, really mashing their tongue to the roof of their mouth, deep breathing through their nose. And, and what ends up happening there is that we start training the musculature to have the normal postures when we're breathing. And if that musculature is trained appropriately, just like if you or I were rolling, or if I'm, you know, uh, you know, I'm an Olymp Olympic weightlifter, if I'm throwing a snatch, like after a while you start getting and hitting those neural connections that ultimately just happen, you know, just like a golf swing, even, you know, like over time that becomes normal. And so if we constantly, if we're chewing on harder things, we're mashing our, our, our tongue to the roof of our mouth while we're breathing, we're breathing deeply through our nose, you know, then, then that starts becoming the new normal, just like it, it becomes habitualized in the body. Um, and that's where health happens. It happens incrementally each day as opposed to, you know, a, a surgery or something like yeah. that. Well, surgery is supposed to help, but that's more like a lifeguard jumping in to save you from a, 
you know, save you in the ocean as opposed to learning how to swim. Um, the problem is it's just so tedious and it's so fundamental mm. that a lot of times we just don't even think about it. If you were going to go down that route and say like, all right, I'm going to try and prove, I guess, the structure of my jaw so I can practice my nose breathing more and more. <laughs> how much would you have to do each day or say chewing? If say if you're chewing gum or you're looking, would you, is there like a, I don't know, some kind of set time that you would recommend yeah. per day? Or is it just so I think, man, I think that there's some really hard gums out there, some like resiny gums. And that, that, that made probably... purposely for this? that are they're made oh, purposely okay. for this i've seen it i've seen it come on my instagram feed i haven't really pulled the trigger but i need to um you know personally i chew i chew uh that lucy gum that nicotine gum because mm. I, I really like nicotine <laughs> That's a performance <laughs> gonna, yeah it is i mean it's great the, the, it's a great drug um <laughs> you're just gonna get hooked on it but it's actually neuroprotective but that's neither yeah. here nor there um so uh, i you know i chew those i chew about three or four of those a day um, now it's a softer gum and it probably doesn't do a whole lot. Um, the harder gums, you know, if we go back to, you know, the hunter gatherer type, what people claim, and you know, there's no way to really know this was that human beings were likely chewing up to an hour or two, uh, or even more per day. Mm. So if you can imagine there was just a hard gnaw and chew over time. And I mean, if you, especially if you close your eyes and you think of some, some, an Aboriginal tribesman or a hunter gatherer tribe, and you imagine them smiling, you're going to see in your head, you're going to see a broad, you're going to see mm. a really fit individual with a broad white smile and straight teeth. And that's because these mm. individuals have been chewing whether it be a very rooty vegetable, a very husky, husky vegetable, or gamey, gamey meats that have maybe only been cooked on the fire and not, you know, not like we do in Texas here, smoke for, you know, 12 hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're and not taking a brisket well. off. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not taking a brisket off of fat and cow and smoking it. Um, this is a, you know, this is a, in, this is a animal that ran, we had to run to go get it. And then we just cooked it on a fire really quickly. And then we chewed on it for a while. And so, so if we can somehow model that uh, throughout the day, then we're going to see a lot more muscle, mus musculature firmness in the airway. Um, so I, you know, I just say, find a gum that you like and chew on it. Um, make sure that it's, you're not going overboard. So there's probably, you know, the, the difference between a, a, a tonic and a toxic is the dose. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so we don't want to just, you know, wear our teeth to hell. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important to do a little bit of extra chewing throughout the day. Uh, that's interesting. I, I know. I'm just thinking now, like, man, I remember trying to eat chewy as steaks and you'd be five minutes in. You'd be like, man, my, you're what the fuck am I fire. doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Like, oh, I don't want to eat any more of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you're probably helping your jaws and helping your breathing and helping the overall system. Mm. Um, you know, what we don't want is we don't want a lot of times Another thing that happens with sleep apnea is we, we clench and grind our teeth. Mm. Um, and what happens is as the airway gets assaulted or as the airway, the body feels as the airway is coming together, um, we, we tighten up and especially our jaw. I mean, hell, in combat sports, I mean, one of the first things you do when you're getting, you know, when you're getting choked, you're bringing your teeth together. Yeah. Um, now, this is just a sub subconscious mechanism that's going on because we're trying to dilate those air, the, the muscles in our airway to prevent from the assault or the collapse. Um, and so if that's happening while you're sleeping all night, then what ends up happening is we're constantly clenching and grinding and 
biting our teeth together trying to create that. But this is the theory. Again, there, there's mm. no way to prove this. Um, but we do see an apneic episode as a, a lot of times when there's an apnea, we see the clutching and grinding happen. That's, we just believe that it's the body trying to keep the, the muscles. Is there something, something people can do other than the stuff we mentioned about, I guess, the sleep disturbances they can do for teeth grinding in their sleep? Or that- a night, night guard. Night That's guard. the only thing. Or strengthen the system. You know, like mm. like with, with all the other, other stuff that we, we spoke about, you know, this is the thing is we're so far behind the eight ball on this one. It ain't ever going to change. Like we would have to change all of food production in the modernized yeah. world to get back what we well, may, hundreds maybe of thousands of years. hundreds of thousands yeah. of years to maybe get back what we had. We ain't going. We ain't doing that. So now what are we going to do to kind of optimize the system, the human organism? to be as effective as it can be in its modern environment and so that's the game we got to play right now nice do you have any uh sleep supplement i guess recommendations as well that can help with i guess people to fall asleep and stay asleep that aren't invasive uh sleep medication yeah dude so i'm you know i'm really out on all sleep medications um i think that they should always be used transiently like we should never be relying upon them Mm. The problem nowadays is a lot of times we become reliant upon any sort of sleep medication prescribed by a doctor. The issue with those is they're going to hijack something. You know, you Mm. can't, you got to pay the piper always, Um, whether it be, whether once you take something, it's going to take from you. Uh, It's just the way it is. Even one of my devices, like there's a side effect. If I, if you wear my device, it could change the way you bite. Um, You know, it just is what it is. If you wear a CPAP, it could, it could morph your face or change your face a little bit. It's just the way it is. Um, so with sleep, sleep medications, it, they should be prescribed with a goal of getting off of them. And so I traditionally do not prescribe any sort of sleep medications. But you were asking about supplementation. Mm. Now, I think that there's some really good supplements out there. You know, everybody knows about melatonin. Man, melatonin it's it's good only for one thing there's 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 multitude of benefits for melatonin they say that there, it can be some there's antihistamine effect there at, at higher doses at, at really even larger doses there's antioxidant benefit, what kind of doses are high there. doses for melatonin there? anything over one milligram okay like this is this yeah 0.5 to one milligram is really all we're taking yeah and they sell take. those things in five milligram t- um things now that's crazy yeah and they, that's only like literally you're not getting you might get an antihistamine effect in that regard. Mm. Um, and so we're, what we're seeing with that is that will help kick off their circadian rhythm. And so this is something that you and I talked about earlier. So there's two reasons we have any sort of sleep or that, that we are driven to sleep. One is the circadian cycle, and that's the, the, that's the rising and falling of the sun. The body gets into that. Then the third, the other option is, or the other drive, we call it sleep drive. And that's as ATP is burnt or or created or utilized in the mitochondria, adenosine builds up. And as adenosine builds up, we call that sleep drive. And as adenosine continues to rise in the brain, we see that that drives the human to want to go to sleep. And so, so over time throughout the day, adenosine builds up and along with circadian cycles, and as those things kind of coalesce, then we start getting really sleepy. Um, Side note, coffee is an adenosine blocker. 
So it, it, it prevents the mm. buildup of adenosine. Is it ca- coffee or caffeine? Caffeine, yeah. caffeine. So once that caffeine comes off of the, it, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's, it competes for the, the site for adenosine to induce sleep. But once that comes off the site, then all that adenosine floods into that cell. And then we get really sleepy after the, mm. the caffeine goes away. What were you about to say? Is that, is that like the caffeine crash thing? That's, yep, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Because all that adenosine doesn't go anywhere. It's just mm. waiting. Yeah, exactly. So, so what I've been doing lately is I've been kind of focusing more on quieting, quieting the animal, right? So um, there's a few things that I personally like, um, you know, Huberman, uh, Andrew Huberman got on Joe Rogan and mentioned three things. Uh, he mentioned magnesium three and eight. Mm. That's something that I definitely like to use. You know, we're humans are extremely deficient in magnesium. We need to supplement magnesium. Magnesium three and eight happens according to Huberman across the blood brain barrier. Um, and, and with that, we will calm the mind down or else get us away from that sympathetic charge. Um, now, you know, some people like CBDs, some people like THC with CBDs, THC and CBDs tend to be one of these kind of, it'll do what the body needs at the time it needs it. Um, the problem for me is that I'm traditionally down-regulated. And so CBDs or THCs will actually upregulate mm-hmm. me and to where mm-hmm. I will not be able to go to sleep if I use any of those. Um, so, so, you know, you're going to have to play with that. There's theanine, which is another thing that Huberman recommended on, on Joe Rogan's podcast. That's a GABA. Um, it's a precursor to GABA, which GABA is a neurotransmitter that helps to induce deeper or REM sleep. And then my, what I've been really geeking out on is taurine. Lately, mm-hmm. um, there's a guy I follow. His name's Kevin Bass on uh, Twitter. Uh, he's a he actually he's kind of a he fights with Rhonda Patrick and Andrew oh. Huberman. Yeah, it's, oh. pretty, it's, it's it's pretty interesting, and he he's he's pretty bright when it comes to performance science. What it seems like, um, or at least supplementation, um, and he's always trying to refute what they say. <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but he came out with a really nice video about taurine. Mm. Um, and with taurine, I'm using anywhere from one gram to two grams of taurine, um, depending on how, how much I'm trying to go to sleep. And what I've found is I get extremely deep sleep on taurine. And what we see there is it's, it's a, it's a um, amino acid that's going to kind of reduce, it's like an anxiolytic, so it's kind of reduce anxiety, create a little bit more um, CNS depression, and it's going to allow for that parasympathetic charge to kind of take over, or reduce the sympathetic charge, so to speak. Um, so just calming the body down and getting it, allowing it to kind of coast along with the circadian rhythm and the sleep drive. That's really interesting because there's one study that I referenced quite a bit, and that is taurine's synergistic effect with caffeine. And the, oh, idea, really? the idea that the larger the dose of taurine, the less caffeine you need to see a performance enhancement. No shit, dude. Yeah. So, well, you know, maybe it's that same thing with C- with uh, CBDs with me, but man, mm. I'm telling you, I take, I take right before I go to bed, I take 300 milligrams of magnesium three and eight, 200 milligrams of theanine, yeah. and then one gram of taurine. And dude, I'm telling you in 30 to 45 minutes, I am barely keeping my eyes open i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get Mona to try that <laughs> yeah yeah let her be the guinea pig yeah exactly it's interesting because alphenine as well also has a synergistic effect with caffeine 
So yeah. how thin so, I just had that now actually. How thin and caffeine together is like the original nootropic. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so you know, here what so taurine is a precursor to GABA, right? Mm. And so is theanine. And so it might be that GABA, mm. it, 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 GABA along with caffeine. Um it must be something must, must, something must be going. happening in that regard. But we do know GABA has to GABA, you know, has to be present for us to really get into full deep REM or, or that uh, that really brain brain cleansing cleansing sleep. Would you take then? Would you take straight GABA then as a supplement? So supposedly GABA gets broken down, and, oh, okay. or it's not efficient. It doesn't efficiently cross the blood brain barrier or something like that. Just yeah. GABA itself. It, it, for whatever reason, does not produce the same effects as if you were to take the precursors of it. Gotcha. But it is prescribed oftentimes by sleep physicians. Um, mm. I just I, like a, usually what I've seen people <clears throat> like people that have like a neural charge, like where one of their nerves just won't turn off, whether it be through pain or whether they just have really excitatory legs or anything like that. Oftentimes, we'll see the the neurologist prescribe GABA. Um, in you know the people that I see don't really find a whole lot of benefit from it, um, and, it and it could be because of that. Um, you know, you kind of kind of step back a little bit. You know, all these medications that we're giving individuals is to kind of supplement. Really, it's trying to overcome some deficiency in environment, right? Yeah, some kind like, of lifestyle thing, right? So <laughs> that's all all it is, and right. So so if we're taking the precursors to the things that we probably always needed then the body is so efficient in making what it needs out of those things that it's better instead of just giving the body the thing, right? Like, you know, like, like exercise, right? You, you got to give the body the exercise to have the health. You don't just give the body the health. There's no way to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's and almost like the body. Form. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's what we're doing in, in the West. Right. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I always tell my, I'm starting to, I'm so far into this now, this journey that I don't really, I'm losing my give shits. My, my <laughs> give a shits are gone. But, I, you know, I've told my, my, my patients, I, and I work with a urologist, I, I tell my patients, like, you got to earn your sleep. And, mm. and I mean, you got to earn it. Like, you got to, that sleep drive has to be a thing. Like, you can't just pray for good sleep and then, and then try to get good sleep. No, you got to bust your ass. You got to wake up early in the morning. You got to do some work, you got to eat well, and then you probably get to sleep good. And so my neurologist or my urologist buddy, he says that all these guys come in here, they're fat, they're overweight, they yeah. can't get their dick up. It's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta earn the heart on man. Like you can't just, you can't just come in here. And my daughter just showed up in here. While I said that. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, time, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is what, this is what happens when you earn the heart on um, get out of here. Um, but, uh, love you, baby. Um, but man, you can't, you can't expect health when you're not willing to pay for it. Yeah. You gotta pay for health, man. Um, but, oh, you know, we're talking to combat veterans, combat, I mean, combat sports veterans here, <laughs> um, combat sports guys, you know, talk, talk about brutal and, and really willing to go and, and work for it. Uh, uh, you know, kind of preaching to the choir here. Yeah. Are there, are there any other to finish? Are there any other maybe sleep? tips that aren't your typical don't look at your phone at night do some yeah. meditation or something like that do you have anything else maybe to add to that conversation that's not you know everyone probably has heard well so you know i kind of like you and i were talking 
man, this is such a natural thing. I mean, it's low-hanging fruit, man. It, like, we all have to do this. We do it a third of our lives, or we should be doing a third of our lives. Our bodies pray, want sleep more than anything. So, so like, one of the things, that sl- breathing is the most thing, the thing that the body wants the most. Water, then food, then sleep, right? Those are the, that's the way the body has to react. And so if you think about it, if we're not white knuckling this thing and we try to actually kind of take a step back and look at how we evolved, where we came from, you know, we came from waking up with the sun and going to bed with the sun. That's just, that's the human. Uh, Maybe sitting around a fire a little bit before, before we go to bed, but man, we're waking up when that sun comes up. Um, And so, so, you know, not wearing sunglasses first thing in the morning, like we got to actually allow that low wavelength light or that, 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 that light in the morning to hit our precasmic nucleus or that, 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 that light gatherer in our eye. So we need to, we need that sunlight to hit our eye first thing in the morning. If you can't, you shouldn't be doing it through the glass. Really, you should get out and try to walk. If you can't do, so if you walk for five or 10 minutes, you're getting enough sunlight to help set your circadian rhythms. Um, and then if you have to look through the glass, I think it's like 20 to 30 minutes is important. So that, that first morning light is very important. Now they do have, uh, they do have some clocks that actually kind of brighten the room, mm. like as a, as a, uh, uh, like as, a like as an alarm. Uh, yeah. A sunrise clock. Mm. I think those can be effective, but there has to be a, like, or even you have these desk lamps that give you a certain amount of like a, I don't know, like 20,000 lumen or lux light that's just blasting your face with light you know, like for like 20 or 30 minutes man and then and then at nighttime while the sun's going down it's a good idea to get outside a little bit um you know and really dude you gotta bust your ass man if you want to go to sleep you gotta work hard throughout the day you know you gotta have a reason to go to sleep um if you're just all day watching sitting on the couch and watching tv it ain't gonna happen well yeah. um you know, a THC, CBD, that's always a good thing. The, the, the supplements that we recommend and, you know, that definitely don't look at your phone. At 10 o'clock, the phone should really like, you should at least have any sort of light after 10 is not ideal, or at least it needs to be far enough away to where it's not going to impact your sleep. You know, but some people probably don't really recognize it doesn't, it isn't too much of an issue with that. You know, you just got to kind of feel yourself out and be willing to be a, the subject to your own experiment. You know, we should also add, but, uh, if, if you're you're, comp- like no sunglasses. Yeah. The good, you know, those polarized sunglasses are great and they look cool, but um, first thing in the morning, probably not ideal. <laughs> Get the sun in your eyes. Yeah. We did like, we weren't walking around with shade, like sunglasses when we were hunting. And gathering. <laughs> I was going to add, if, if you're competing, and you're getting drug tested, avoid the, the THC and, and most oh, PPD supplements. Yeah. <laughs> if you're oh, not you competing, go for it. Oh, also, we should you, state you that depending on the state you're, you're in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All the caveats. <laughs> yeah. We need to have like, it's kind of like the drug commercials. We need to have that. Yeah, all the really fine text showing all the <laughs> yeah, side effects. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, that, this was awesome, Max. I appreciate you coming on. I think we pretty much covered everything. If, if people want to follow you, um, where can they find you? So I, I primarily am cruising on Instagram um, at Dr. Max K, I believe is what it is. Dr. Max, yeah. doctor spelled out Max and then K. I'll, I'll link um, it up anyway. And then I, uh, I, I'm the same, I believe I'm the same at, uh, 
want to say that that's what it is at Facebook. Um, and then I'm at the Max Kerr, M-A-X-K-E-R-R on Twitter. Uh, and really what I do is I just, I'll post something that I find on Instagram. I, I don't really come up with, I'm a clinician, so I don't come, I'm not a scientist, so I don't come up with this content, but I'll find, I'll, I'll be like a curator of content that I see out there and I'll repost it and I'll make sure it hits my Facebook and I'll make sure it hits my Twitter. And so that's kind of my main hub of, of posting of anything. Nice. I'll link it a lot in the description for anyone interested as well, but thanks for coming on Max. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I had a great time. And if you need a, if you ever need a stand in or a punching dummy, just let me know. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Cheers, Max. All right. Later, buddy.